Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Almost There podcast. Right now, I'm sitting inside of Woonwinkle with the founder, Kristen. Welcome. Thank you. Of course. So tell me about your background, your origin story. How did you get to where you are today? Okay, well, um, I'll be honest. This shop was my exit strategy. Oh, wow. (laughs) It was my exit from the corporate world, which I wasn't super excited about, but... And I'll tell you about that in a second. But also at the same time, I look back on that time in the corporate world and I'm so grateful for it. I mean, it was, it shaped me in so many ways um, and it enabled me to start this business. So there were, there was a reason I needed to do that before I did this. Yeah. But this is kind of my, my second chapter, mm-hmm. if you will. And it's um, my, my little, my little dream job. Yeah. Um, so before that I was working as a color design director at Nike and I worked for Nike for 23 years. I went there. Oh my gosh. Bam. So yeah, (laughs) straight after college and, um, and really with the intention of being an artist actually. And I was just doing this little thing on the side, um, as a freelancer to pay my bills because, you know, starving artist thing and all that. Yeah. (laughs) It was real (laughs) and lots of student loans. So, um, but then one thing led to another and I realized Nike was a great place to grow my career. And Mm. I had actually studied fine art in um, in college, but then I ended up basically getting a design degree at Nike. Mm. It's like the University of Nike. You know I mean? <laughs> yeah. So um, so yeah. So I did that for a long time, and, mm-hmm. and my focus there was on color. And of course, as a fine artist, there was a lot about color there too. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of only natural that this um, third chapter includes color. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's great, and I'd love to know like. What are the core values of Winwinkle? And if you could kind of describe your shop to the listeners who aren't Portland-based. Okay, yeah. Well, as I mentioned, there's there's a lot going on about color. In fact, mm-hmm. right now I'm looking at this neon sign that's hanging in our window, and it just says, color, color, color. <laughs> and um, some people sometimes people think that's the name of the shop, but the name is Winwinkle, and Winwinkle is actually a Dutch word that means um, living shop. It's like a generic word for mm-hmm. a home shop. And um, I... Uh, came up with the name really while I was writing the business plan yeah and it was almost just like a a code word Mm -hmm. you know I didn't have a name yet and I was learning Dutch at the time because I was actually living in Amsterdam working for Nike yeah oh my gosh that's a dream that's the best place for color too yeah yes color and design and you know right there within Amsterdam but also the places I could get to on the weekend Mm -hmm. But that was also the place I was secretly writing my business plan. <laughs> because even though, like I said, my time in the corporate world was great. And I'm so grateful for it. And it was very formative. Um, I knew I couldn't retire there. I, ne- I knew I needed something that was a little bit more family friendly. And that there was just like a little bit of flexibility. Um, and so I knew that starting my own business was, was going to be the thing. Um, so... While I was there and I was building this idea for this business, I definitely knew that it was going to have a lot to do with design and it was going to be a retail business. I just, I really just kind of had an aha moment with that while Mm -hmm. I was living in Amsterdam. I walked into a little shop and there was this woman behind the counter with who I think was probably her elderly father and the shop was like super cute and all of a sudden I was like, yeah, retail. Is this what I'm supposed to be doing? (laughs) I mean, it's right in front of my face every day. I guess it didn't occur to me that retail could be so creative and that it could be such a good family business or family friendly. And, um, and so the wheels just got turning. Yeah. And so early on, to answer your question, what are the values of Winwinkle? Early on, the values were to bring um, different kinds of design to Portland that Portland mm-hmm. hadn't seen yet. And so I was really thinking a lot about Dutch design and some other Scandinavian designers. And the thing I loved about Dutch design, which then starts to inform the values of the shop, mm-hmm. is that um, there's just always a human touch to it. Yeah. There's always some warmth to it, um, often like just some levity. It's just mm-hmm. not overly serious. Like if you compare yeah. it to, you know, say Italian design, Italian design is like very dramatic and, mm-hmm. and the, and, um, sometimes more severe, you know, Dutch yeah. is always like welcoming and friendly um, design. So I wanted to bring that aesthetic to Portland. And then, um, so to, to me and, and the other founding member, um, we really felt like embedding the values of cheerful, joyful aesthetics. So it's definitely like a, one thing we knew we wanted to bring. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we also, um, wanted to work with small smaller companies and independent designers 
and that was only 12 years ago, but at that time there were not a lot, there were far fewer choices in the United States than there are now. Yeah. And we had a hard time finding the products we wanted to bring into our store. Yeah. Now we have so many choices. It's so cool. Right. And I feel like now a lot of retail and a lot of the internet is so focused around like shopping small and supporting local businesses. Mm -hmm. And I think that I always heard that phrase until I moved to Portland and I felt like it's actually lived here in shops like yours or lots of other ones in our industry and in other industries. You just see it. And I feel like Portland has such a creative and supportive community that's just fostering like, you're a small artist, I'm gonna support you. Like when I moved here a year ago next week, which is crazy, I feel like (laughs) I just like immediately jumped in and met all of these other amazing artists just kind of online and then in person, like walking into shops like this. And I was like, wow, I feel so supportive as an interior designer here. And come, like, I lived in LA before. And so it just, and then before that, the Bay Area and just drastic from California to here was so different. But I think it's just so fun to me that you are able to support small businesses and put them on display in such a playful way. I think like coming into the store, like I'm always so excited like I just know that I'm gonna find something that I'm obsessed with that I've never seen before and I think you do that so well oh my goodness thank you so much that's so good to hear I seriously never ever get tired of hearing people say I just feel happy when I come here that is just like okay I did my job yay yeah (laughs) how do you feel like you've embedded those values into your business like how does that actually physically play out well so I would say what I just described to you is is how we started out. Like Mm -hmm. that is how we initially um, thought about our values and the thing that set us apart. So we're gonna bring joyful aesthetics and it's gonna be small companies and independent designers. But then like exactly what you just said, that Mm -hmm. is all over Portland. Like there Mm -hmm. are artisanal donuts, you know what I mean? There are like, (laughs) yeah, so many independent bike makers. Like everything is independent and beautifully crafted. Mm -hmm. So that didn't really set us apart. Mm -hmm. And when we really kind of I mean, we like really kind of just did the exercise of sitting down and brainstorming, like, what is it that really makes us different? Mm. It had not even occurred to us that it was color. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then we were like, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, color sets us apart, duh. Yeah. And as soon as we had that realization, it's almost like we were so busy with all the other things that go into creating a business that mm. some of the obvious things didn't even occur to us. Mm. But as soon as we had that realization, we were like, duh, okay, of course it's about color um, because of our love of color and because of my background and everything, but also because it's a metaphor for how we see the world. So one of our taglines is see in color, Mm -hmm. and that has to do with, of course, everything that you physically see here. Yes. But it's also metaphorical because it represents the fact that the world is a very diverse and colorful place, Mm -hmm. and we like it that way. We Mm -hmm. love it that way. And we want to celebrate that. And um, so we've always wanted to be a venue where um, different points of view and different voices can be heard. How do you find artists and creators to support in your shop? Um, Well, I would say thank goodness for social media Mm -hmm. because even like when I opened 12 years ago, it wasn't as easy to find independent makers um but I knew I didn't want to rely on trade shows because I didn't necessarily want to go and get kind of all the same things that everyone else had so it's been a real mix I mean I do go to trade shows every once in a while but only every few years because for one thing it's really freaking expensive (laughs) and for another thing it's um yeah you can you can end up really just kind of having a lot of the same stuff as other people yeah um so Um, And actually, I did a lot of scouting even before I moved back to the United States to open the shop. Like I mentioned, I was living in Amsterdam. So this was one of the really kind of awesome parts of my job there as a color designer. I was, I got out a lot to do market research. And so that meant shopping. And (laughs) so I was shopping in a lot of different places all over Europe. And so then at that point, for sure, I was kind of picking up like what independent and what little slightly more established brands do I want to have in the shop? and so that kind of formed a foundation and then from there once I moved back here honestly it got a little bit harder 
until that industry, I guess, if you will, grew in the United States and more and more independent makers had um, ways to show their work like on fair mm. and um, bulletin and sites like that. And of course, even Etsy was a part of like growing yes. <laughs> that, you know, and now it's this mammoth thing. Um, and now I have to say, I feel incredibly lucky that um, we have enough of an established reputation that folks are coming to us sometimes and that's how we're discovering people and we're just finding some awesome fits. And so I love it when people reach out and they're like, I'm pretty sure that this is going to work at one week. I'm like, wow, I think you are right. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's so great. Who are some of your favorite creators or specific pieces that you have in the space right now that you're loving? Oh my goodness. Okay. Well, we're looking at a table right now of all Muto product. That's probably one of our more established brands that I really love. And it's a Danish brand. And the reason I love it is because um, they have these kind of like big, chunky, cheerful shapes, which mm -hmm. just totally get me every time. Um, but they're also an extremely sustainable company. They work really, really hard at that. Um, so they're kind of like a stalwart for us, right? They're mm -hmm. always here. But one of the new items in the shop is you're sitting on it. <laughs> it's Isn't it awesome? I love it. And I wish my boyfriend was here to see it because he is dying to get like a burnt orange piece in yeah. our new apartment. So. Yes, <laughs> it, is, it is a good color. It is a good color. And this is, um, this is a little... Um, I guess it's love seat size. We'll call it a sofa. It's officially called your house couch mm -hmm. and it's created by, um, Leland duck and Helen Helfand right here in Portland. And it's modeled after, um, if you are familiar with Harry Styles album covers, mm -hmm. it's modeled after the sofa that's upside down on his album cover. And apparently they did a lot of research on it and apparently it's just, it's, it's vintage, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, it's nowhere now. So they recreated this beautiful piece and I always tell people, get on the floor, look under it. It's hand what? webbed, like every single detail of this piece is so beautifully crafted. And seriously, these, these guys did a great job on this piece. So yeah. you all have to come in and look at it because it's, it's really pretty. It's super comfortable too. Yeah. Like I feel very cozy. Yeah. During our conversation here. Okay. What color trends do you see in 2023? Okay. Well. Are you sure you want to go down this rabbit hole? Because I can get really nerdy about this. I would love to. Okay. <laughs> Podcast is all about rabbit holes. <laughs> okay. Awesome. Um, well, I'll tell you. So like I mentioned, I was a color designer for Nike for 23 years. So that was my job forecasting color trends. Mm -hmm. um, and it's kind of fascinating. Um, so my, I guess my personal obsession is to not look at color trends just by a year, mm. which is what we always had to do at Nike for sure. Like what are the colors that we're going to do like by se by year and by season, you know? Yeah. But, um, and that's important if you're working in the fashion industry actually. And I can tell you more about that process and how that mm. works, which is kind of fascinating. But I really like looking at the bigger arcs of trends. Mm -hmm. So one of my other color, ner color nerdy friends and I in 2020, um, had to sit down and we were just, super jazzed about predicting what the colors of the decade were going to be. So we wanted to think about like a 10 year chunk more oh, than a wow. year chunk. <laughs> and so this was my, this was my personal forecast. Um, and I do see it's playing out, which is kind of cool. But, um, to me, the foundational colors and then mind you, all those like little color trends that happen year by year, mm -hmm. those play nicely with the foundational palette, right? Mm. So, but first the foundation. I strongly believe that it's colors like you mentioned, like you want to, your partner wants a burnt orange sofa. These colors, these um, kind of colors of earth, colors of clay are really, really, really important right now. And they're the foundation of our palette. And then so many colors look great next to it. So that's, that's fun, right? You yeah. can have those like yearly color trends, but these colors are, important right now for some really big important reasons and one is you know our relationship with the earth right now is kind of not yeah. not good <laughs> <laughs> and people are literally wanting that foundation of the earth mm -hmm. underneath their feet you know and so we're really surrounding ourselves by these kinds of colors and it doesn't just it's not just a burnt orange it can be like in those like 
clayish pinks and mm-hmm. and um, there's like this whole range right my husband's an environmental scientist and he oh. was having his students do um, soil samples the other mm-hmm. day and then he has this like whole fan deck of colors of soil all over the world mm. and um, and you can tell by the color what the content of the soil is and I'm telling you, when he pulled out this soil sample book, which he looks at in a very different way than I do, <laughs> I was like, give me that! That is beautiful! Uh-huh. And it was just this huge range of, of colors of clay. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. So, so that's one of the reasons, mm-hmm. our relationship to the earth. And then um, the other reason is because we, especially in the last few years, we're craving connection. I think even before the pandemic, we had so much digital we have the digital worlds often separating us from yeah. human connection. And so that's when the trend really started to take hold. But then especially during the pandemic, just cre- craving that human connection. And what's really interesting is how much the colors of skin are so related to the colors of clay. Mm. And, um, and incidentally, this is where I really nerd out. Incidentally, in a lot of the um, you know major religions of the world, there's a mention of humans be coming from clay, mm. and um, mm-hmm. so I just think that's kind of cool. So I think that's where that trend comes from. Mm. Does that make sense? Yes. I could keep going, but probably I, I, I just went like way about, too far down the rabbit hole. No, you didn't. I've never <laughs> thought about things that way, and also just having a also a religious base through my childhood until now being a designer I really gravitate towards those like earthen colors as well Mm -hmm. and I've never thought about that perspective Mm -hmm. of how like so much of the influence comes from the earth and like of people comes from soil totally yeah so I really think that's that's, I know it's (laughs) it's amazing and that so that's our foundation now Mm. and so then you look at colors like you know the Pantone color of the year is magenta Mm mm-hmm happens to look beautiful against those foundational colors Mm -hmm. so that's where i think the yearly color trends come in yeah it's like what looks amazing next to that foundational palette you know what i mean yeah yeah how do you feel like using color texture and layering makes a space cohesive um well you know it just goes back to those design principles that you use whether you're painting a painting or designing a room for sure, it's about creating focal points. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about creating balance. You know, if you have a very textured foundation, you're going to want to include some gloss in there somewhere. Mm-hmm. So it's really like going back to those really core design principles. And for me, this is where I, I always have to convince myself that um, no. You're not experiencing imposter syndrome. You're experiencing what it is to be a creative person. Mm. Just because you don't like snap your fingers and you have the solution to the room doesn't mean that you're not a designer. This is the important principle. You have to experiment. Mm -hmm. So you find those design principles and you try to create them. But then you walk into, actually, this is a question I have for you. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Do you, when you're working on a design project, how often does it happen that, you know, you've, you've put things in Revit and SketchUp and you've like done all this rendering and you've like looked at color swatches and you've made this plan and then you get into the final space and you're like, ah, that didn't work. Or not, (laughs) tell me more, tell me more. Yes. Well, so right now I'm designing a 70s inspired bakery plant shop called Flower Bloom. It's on the east side, just next to the Kex Hotel. Um, And it's a really fun project because we have all of these rich textures and color layering. Um, and I'm someone who does like, I'm not a white wall person. Like I need there to be plaster on the walls. I need there to be wallpaper. I need a, like <laughs> a bunch of chunky different fabrics and a lot of rugs. Like that's just who I am. I feel like I, my style is refined maximalism. And I think I'm speaking about this project specifically because it so is true to like what we're talking yeah. about. Like we had, the color palette nailed from the beginning. We knew that it was gonna be exactly like these earthy tones. Mm -hmm. And then we have a couple pops of like chartreuse in there and an olive green. Um, And then we have a little bit of magenta coming Mm -hmm. in here and there. Um, And we have the hay ray chairs are Mm -hmm. like the main chairs in the the center. And then we were working with 
do you know Matthew Philip Williams? He's yes. like a local woodworker, so oh, we're yeah. having him You'll do see all some the furniture stuff in here. Oh, great! Yeah. <laughs> um, so, anyways, lots of playful shapes and colors and textures happening in the space, but kind of my core base was the fire clay tile. That's like a great tile company out of California. Um, and the front counter is going to be this curved horseshoe shape. And I'm doing like a waterfall tile look with, there's going to be six different colors. There's one base color, which is this rust orange. Mm -hmm. And then there's five other, I'm calling them kind of our secondary colors that are sprinkled in. So it's a randomized design. So that was kind of my base, but the tiles, because they're handmade and like because this company loves to have a diversity and gloss and matte and different textural like some are cracked some are smooth some are kind of lumpy um this whole centerpiece is like completely different like it's mm -hmm. like a total textural visual and like physical experience when you walk up to it mm -hmm. and so it's interesting because the more time that i spend with those tiles on space the more time that i wanted to change other parts of the design and so we would be in there and like the floor is a great example. It's like a historic building and we want to like pay ode to the history and we really wanted to keep the terrazzo in there that's mm -hmm. existing. Mm -hmm. um, but then the more time that we spent with it, we started finding like there was like red and black and blue fleck, which just didn't mm -hmm. match the rest of the color palette. Mm -hmm. And so we we're like, okay, well how can we make this floor like blend in and feel like it's kind of like one with the history of the space, mm -hmm. but then also pay ode to the seventies. And then I was like, oh my gosh, there's this amazing poured cork product that I love. And it was like a sandy tone, kind of in between like a beige and a concrete color. And we had that, we were set on that from like month one. And then we're in like month six or seven and the floors are about to go in and we've been like looking at our color palette as fabrics have changed and lead times and patterns and as it goes and i was like this floor isn't working anymore like like genuinely the whole base like it needs to be darker and so we kept the same product but switched to something that's like more muddy brown like mm -hmm. kind of like a deeper it's like chocolate and it almost looks like there's like wood flakes inside of it it's mm -hmm. not but it's like it looks like there's like wood and cork speckled in um so anyways, that like, it's, it's a constantly evolving process yeah. in design, which I think is so fun. I think you have to stop yourself at some point, you know, and like, we're lucky because we're like doing a lot of things custom. And so we can kind of like design exactly down to the like minor details that we want. Yeah. But yeah, I think especially in Flower Bloom, there's like, that's like a, like a matte, like cork. It's like a soft floor, which is great mm, for acoustics nice, too. Yeah. And then we have like high gloss powder coated bases for a lot of the tables and yeah. then like the counter is like all these different textures and then there's like crazy mushroom wallpaper and rainbow wallpaper and then there's like a big drape that's a like daisy pattern that's chartreuse so anyways there's like all of these different things happening and it's constantly evolving and changing but I'm so excited. I love it. That sounds awesome. I can't yeah. wait to see it. Where did you say it was going to be? It's right by the Kex Hotel on okay. the east side. Okay. And when does it open? It opens like late June, early July. Okay. Depending I on construction time. Out. Yes. yes. I'll invite well, you. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. So that's so affirming because, you know, I, like I do have those moments where I'm like, oh, I didn't get it right, right. the first time. But you heard it, people. <laughs> you can't get it right the first time. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it sometimes can be frustrating too, like as a designer, when you have this vision and then you execute it and then you're like, something is just a little bit off. Yeah. And it's not unsatisfying. Like, it's like, I know that there's going to be a reward at the end of it because it's mm -hmm. going to be so much better than like the first pass. Mm -hmm. And I think that I've just learned that I need to give myself room to allow those things to happen. I'm yeah. such a type A, such a perfectionist. Mm -hmm. And so it's challenging sometimes as a creative to be like, this idea was great, but I think I have something better. And then if the something better isn't better, then you're kind of back to square one. Yeah. But I think that it's so important to go through those different iterations because that's kind of where you find like the gold at the end of the rainbow. Oh yeah. You know, honestly, that's what it's like running a small business too. Yeah. I mean, I think you probably, we've all heard people say, stick to your vision, just stick to it. And mm -hmm. it, and it will, um, and you will succeed. Don't don't compromise. I actually really disagree with that as a mm -hmm. business owner. You better morph and you better just, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you better pay attention. You better pay attention to what your business or your project in this case mm -hmm. is telling you. Listen to listen to those things. Yeah. Yeah. And I think 
also it's so easy to get stuck in like what I think other people want and what I think I want and I've realized I just have to keep coming back to my core and my intuition which almost sounds like silly because sometimes I don't necessarily have the words to describe what I'm feeling or why I'm thinking a certain way but I know that that's the right decision yeah and so that's something that I'm personally working on and I know that's something that our team is also working on because you know like working in a design firm it's not just you designing something like even though I'm like the lead designer and I'll have these core ideas like I sit down with my team and I'm like okay we need to we need to flesh this out. We need to talk about the architectural detailing. We need to sit down with the engineers and decide these things. We need to sit down with the principal designers and get their take on things. And so it's, yeah, it's just a constantly evolving thing. Yeah. Okay, so outside of the retail aspect of Woonwinkle, what other services do you provide here? Well, then you should ask that because um, I like very, very quietly added to the footer of my homepage a link for color and decor services mm. I haven't announced it yet <laughs> I know I haven't announced it and that's where like I just have to gain my confidence you know yeah um but if you're interested you can go find that link and um and yeah I'm so like I said I was you know 23 years in the color design industry and I, my eye is used to judging color based on this is going to make an amazing apparel collection or footwear mm. collection or whatever and so I'm even Though I own this shop that's focused on home goods, um, I'm still tuning my eye to interior color. Like, mm-hmm. how do I judge a color for, like, it's going to be, like, this huge, you know what I mean? Yeah. You have to see it differently. Um, and so, so yeah, so I'm doing a lot of learning, and I've actually had um, some really, really fun collaborative projects um, come up very lately that have been just great learning experiences for me. So mm-hmm. I'm getting this chance to like get my hands dirty in a low risk way, which is like what every creative person hopes for, right? Yeah. <laughs> to learn, learn a few things. Um, and then I'm going to start building up that service, which I'm really excited about. Oh my gosh. I love that for you. I'm so Thank excited. And as a designer too, I mean, are you just offering it to clients of your own or is this like a service like that you would collaborate with designers as well? Yeah, well, um, I am just getting ready to start a project with Wendy Scott Design, mm-hmm. where I'm kind of her consultant consultant on the project. Um, it's a house off Mississippi Avenue. It's really super modern. Uh-huh. It's called the Slender House, and um, and she knew that it really needed like a healthy dose of color. Yeah. So she's bringing me in as a consultant. So that's definitely one way I can work with folks. I can mm-hmm. work with interior, other interior designers, or I can work with just, you know, a homeowner who just needs a little bit of help. And it doesn't have to be a complicated project. It can be just choosing paint colors. I collaborate with Miller Paint a lot. Mm-hmm. And um, they're a, a Portland-based, employee-owned company. Um, and I collaborate with them a lot, and so I'm familiar with their colors. So it could be as simple as that. Or it could be looking at decor in a whole living room and maybe we're going to source some things from Woonwinkle and tap into some of the companies that we can um, order from because you know we have a small showroom we're not showing a ton of furniture pieces but there are a lot of furniture pieces that we can buy yeah fun yeah I love that I'm so excited for you I'm I'm excited too I'm gonna like run to our firm after this and be like you guys we need to to engage Kristen yes it's gonna be great oh my gosh I would love it (laughs) okay how do you feel like joyful aesthetics affect the overall quality of life oh my gosh um so much (laughs) so much is when when we opened this shop on this little corner in portland it was like this weird this weirdo color blast that Mm -hmm. came dropped out of nowhere because at the time especially um like the workwear trend was big and so there were just all these like really utilitarian and muted colors and Mm -hmm. um and people initially came in here and i think this is honestly what kept us alive um and they would come in and they would be like, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because we just brought something different. And you do feel it. You just feel it when you walk into a space. And I mean, I, I can't tell you how many times I've experienced that just as a person to walk into a space that mm-hmm. is um, more colorful, which is one aesthetic, that, one thing that you can use um, to create a joyful aesthetic. Mm-hmm. You can also use shape and you can use repetition. And you said you love patterns. Mm-hmm. You can use pattern. And um, there are a lot of different ways to get those aesthetics of joy. And if you haven't read it yet, read the book, The Aesthetics of Joy by Ingrid Fattel Lee. It's so good. and talks about all the different um, design principles Mm -hmm. that 
spark joy literally and, and she can quantify it from, you know from data and studies it's super fascinating oh my gosh I love that I've been lately kind of getting into reading more my mom is like a huge bookworm and my whole family is and my aunt up here too who's the artist who I was mentioning to you before she's like a huge bookworm and we've been spending so much time together lately and I'm like I love coffee table books, but I've also been really enjoying reading and learning from kind of some des like iconic designers like from the past as well, because I feel like it's totally helped in me shift my perspective when I'm designing outside yeah. of just my own opinions and what I think looks good and like, okay, don't, you don't know everything. Yeah. Like take, <laughs> yes. take something from other people too. So. Oh yes, that's right. Well, I highly recommend this. It, you will probably see some of your projects differently after this. It's, mm. it's pretty cool. And that's, you know, I mean, I think there are a lot of different ways to get joyful aesthetics, but of course I always nerd out on the color aspect. And here's something that I find like really powerful about color in terms of like wanting to affect a mood, particularly for joy. Um, it is, color is, is wavelengths of energy. Mm -hmm. And so it's not just like you look at something and you feel happy when you see it. There have been studies that show that when you change the color of a classroom in a classroom full of un unsighted students, mm -hmm. blind students, they actually feel, they actually perform and focus differently. Wow. With certain colors in the classroom. Isn't that crazy? Wow. I, I'm mind blown. <laughs> I know. It's amazing. I'm like, how is that? Yes. I'm not even going to ask. Right. Because, I mean, they're like wavelengths of energy. Mm -hmm. Just like, you know, radio waves are wavelengths. Mm -hmm. Color is a different type of wave wavelength. Wow. And it's like super, super nerdy. I'm telling you it's wow. nerdy, but it's pretty fascinating. Oh my gosh. I'm, I'm learning so much just in our little <laughs> sit down chat right now. I'm kind of excited to go back next week and start designing some other things yeah. with new perspectives. Yes. It's great. What tips would you suggest for someone designing a small space? Okay, well, I'm, I'm actually really good at this because until um, just a few months ago, I lived in a teeny, 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 tiny little house, Victorian little cottage size house, I guess, mm -hmm. with really tiny little rooms. So I'm good at this. Good. Um, <laughs> I've got some tips for you. Um, first of all, you know, there's like a lot of people know this, the wall is your friend, mm -hmm. go up, right? You need hooks, you need like loft beds, you need ladders, mm -hmm. like use that vertical space however you can. Um, and then the other thing I um, suggest is buy pieces of furniture that are multi-use. So I actually love this stool that's right here next to us. This is called the bit stool. It's a side table, it's a stool. You can take it indoors, you can take it outdoors. Mm -hmm. So it's really super versatile. Mm -hmm. That's a great way to think about furniture in a small space. Mm -hmm. You know, there, I mean, there are a lot of opinions too about how to use color in a small space to make it look bigger. But I think it comes down to personal preference. Like if you, if you place color strategically, you can either distract from something that makes the room feel smaller um, or you can like blur the lines, like, you know, if you um, have the walls and the ceilings and the floors a little bit more of the same color, you're blurring the lines, literally the box of the room. And mm -hmm. so that's opening up the space. If that's what you want, if you want to try to trick yourself <laughs> into yeah. having a bigger looking space, you can do that. Or you can just embrace that small little cozy spot mm -hmm. and just get a little crazy with color. Mm -hmm. Really, that's like my personal preference. Like find you can especially do that in small spots, right? Mm -hmm. You can just like pack a little color in there and it keeps, the reason it feels bigger when you do that is because it keeps your eye moving all around. Mm -hmm. It stimulates your brain and it keeps your eye moving all around. So you don't get focused too much like on the edges of the room. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I, right now, I mean, moving into, I'm moving from a house into an apartment. Right now I have roommates. I'm young, I'm 23, mm -hmm. right? And I'm moving in with my partner and we're, in the process of designing our own space together and it's been we're kind of trying to figure out okay what funky shapes do we want to bring in we just purchased um, a sofa yesterday actually which is so exciting um, but it has this really interesting detail that has it's like the arm and the legs transition together into the seat and so the leg comes up off the floor 
and then it's a V down, so it's kind of like a mountain shape, and then that creates the surface of the seat. Okay. And then we've talked about layering like a massive piece of art behind it with something else really small. So for me as a designer, I really like to play with proportions and stuff that almost feels a little bit off, but that's like the perfect secret sauce to bringing a whole space together. That's yeah. just that's just it for me. So I'm in the process of doing that right now as we speak. I like love this advice because <laughs> I'm like, how can I pack a punch when you open my door and you're like, whoa, this is like the coolest apartment I've ever seen. I've never seen anything like it. Like that's my goal. Yes. So that sounds like you're on your way. Yeah, I'm trying. <laughs> When designing a space, what's the most important factor for you of the actual space itself, like to consider? Oh, well, I mean, it, it, for me, it really just, I mean, I start with color so much, um, and color and light are so important together. You can't really think about one without thinking about the other. So I think that's what I'm looking at first when I go into a space, like what direction is this room facing where, you know, what side of the is it north, south, east, west facing windows mm -hmm. because it's going to change the quality of the light and mm -hmm. the kind of the cast of the light. Um, and then I think about what, how I want to feel in that room. Mm -hmm. And that's just all of those things are informing a color palette to me. Yeah. And then I start thinking about shapes that go along with it and textures and, or mm -hmm. really to be truthful in my own house, <laughs> it's more of a puzzle mm -hmm. because well, I always call my style at home Craigslist complimentary yeah. because it's very much like a hodgepodge. So yeah. that is when I'm really starting to think about the puzzle of color and like, how do I make all these disparate things feel connected and work together? Yeah. 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 I get that <laughs> in the same place. Yep. <laughs> What's something about this industry that you wish outsiders knew? Something I wish that folks knew about small business and actually a lot of people do in Portland you know you already mentioned it Portlanders are great at supporting small businesses mm -hmm. um, sometimes people can't always even articulate why it's important I'll tell you a little bit of why I think it's important you walk into a small business like you walk into a small business like mine and you see abundance mm -hmm. and you think um, that there is some serious cash flowing um, and it's flowing but it's not coming into my pocket yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so when you go into a small business, think about that small business. At the, the importance of supporting small businesses is for the same reason that we want to support independent artists just as much as we want to support like um, film, com you know, film companies that make big blockbusters. Like mm -hmm. you want diversity of point of view, and you want um, and there is strength in diversity. Mm -hmm. I just keep coming back to that, you know. So that's one reason why you want to support small businesses because they are people who are working really, really, really hard. Um, usually for tiny, tiny, tiny profit. Mm -hmm. and, um, but they make the fabric, especially of this, a city like this. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's what I want you to know. <laughs> okay, while we're talking about small businesses and kind of supporting those in your own city, what is your favorite thing about our city, Portland? Oh, that's actually really hard to narrow down. I have to be honest, like I'm a I'm one of those Portland lovers. Like I really <laughs> love here. I made a choice to come here and to stay here. Mm. I'm not from here. And um there are so many things I love about it. But I would say one of the things, going back to the small business thing, one of the things that um people comment on all the time in the shop, tourists who are coming through, are always like, Oh my gosh, we just like this it's a little different right now because the pandemic unfortunately shuttered a bunch of businesses on this block but I know it's actually in the process of rebounding there's mm -hmm. word on the street is <laughs> that there's some exciting stuff happening on this block in the next um, several months but um, people would comment on oh my gosh there's nothing like this in Miami where you can like walk two whole blocks and it's like all these great independent businesses and yeah like, yeah you're right like we've got such density of this like creative independent business thing going on and everyone mm -hmm. has a different point of view and it's also a really supportive business community. Like I have so yeah. many mentors and peers that I am talking to on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. And I don't, I don't know if that's everywhere. I just, I love that about Portland. Me too. And I really don't feel like it's everywhere. Like kind of like what I was saying in the beginning when, when I moved here, I felt so supported as mm -hmm. a creative. And mm -hmm. even though technically 
other small businesses are your competition. Mm-hmm. It doesn't it doesn't feel that way, at least to I'm an outsider, right? I'm not living like your day to day and I'm sure that those are actually competition. But I think that it's so sweet to be able to support other small businesses who are maybe doing something similar to you, but also completely different. And it's mm-hmm. completely out of their own discovery, their own like journey and path to find the products and find the companies and the artists and creators that they want to support, which I love because you can walk into a lot of the different shops and find something completely different and you're supporting a different artist every single time, which is so cool. Yeah, it's so true. And I can tell you a story about, um, you know, you, you said different business owners are kind of curating it differently. And so you kind Mm -hmm. of end up with this different point of view. That's true. But I can also tell you about a time when, um, another shop owner and I actually like visited each other's shops and, and said, okay, you know what? We've got a lot of crossover. What should we do? Okay, yeah, you should do that because um, you have a real strength here and and you should do this. And um, that was um, Sarah Radcliffe of the Yo Store. Oh! Who is Uh wonderful. And her, like, if I could go shopping anywhere besides my own shop, it would be her shop. (laughs) (laughs) And, and yeah, I I just, I love people like her who have a willingness Mm -hmm. to keep this a really interesting and dynamic um community of small businesses Mm -hmm. by working together sometimes to even like figure out how to keep it interesting it was really cute because there was a customer in the shop at the time that we were having that discussion and she is a customer of both my shop and sarah's shop Uh and she was like I'm so glad to hear you guys having this conversation <laughs> because I want to keep going to both of your stores and I yeah. love that you're trying to differentiate from each other. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's just one example of just like a, the many great ways that business owners uplift each other around here and mm-hmm. try to help each other out. Yeah. What makes Portland so charming to you? Oh, uh, well, oh my gosh, you know, there really are so many things I love about Portland, but um, I mean, I love that there's an urban feeling. It's not a huge city, but it feel you know, there's like the creative parts of being in a big city, but then you have the wilderness just close by. Of course mm-hmm. I love that. And um you can always get to me through food. So yes. I love that it's a food town. I mean just the, right. Simple pleasures, right? Yeah. It just makes me so happy. Um yeah. And and I love that, you know, there are people who really do have a lot of similar values to me. Like there is um an emphasis on walkability and neighborhoods and, and things like that. And yeah, I just love that. I feel like I'm, I found my place and you know what? I'll, I've been all over the world. Like I really have, I've been so, so, so lucky as an adult, um, to have been able to travel to a lot of places for work and, and lived in a lot of different places mm-hmm. too. And this is my place. This is where I want to live. Yeah. I feel the same way. I've, I've lived in a lot of different cities Um, throughout California and then I lived in Scotland for a year as well and traveled a bunch all over Europe while I was there and have traveled to a lot of different countries outside of Europe as well and I love seeing the diverse experiences and just I mean culture is completely different anywhere that you go Mm -hmm. but I think that that especially in the U.S. and like west coast based because my family will always be out here so always be on the west coast like there's just something about Portland that is different like I think people here are just so kind and are just so themselves too like I've never I feel like lived in a place where everyone is just doing like their thing and like are so supported for just being themselves and I don't know I think that like the people and the nature and the city and you said like the food scene like I was at snack fest last night which was so much fun I didn't one of my friends is like a food like a foodie a food reviewer in town um and she was talking about snack fest and I had no idea what it was. And she's like, how do you know about snack fest? And she's like, oh my gosh, I forget that you're not from here, that you're from California. And so we went down this whole rabbit hole and she gave me this massive list of suggestions of all these events coming up, you know, in like spring and summer. And I was just like, wow, the city is just so fun. Like it, it's a city, but it feels like a small town at the same time. Like when I walk around, I see people that I know, or I can walk into businesses and I see the business owner, you know, like you in the space and you can interact and yes. I don't know. It's just, it's sweet. Like it's charming. Like I said in the question, there's just something so charming about the city. And I really think that it's the people and just the landscape of like what Portland is. I agree. Yeah. Okay. What spring thing are you looking forward to? Oh, well, one thing I'm really super excited about is that, um, 
you know, I mentioned I do some collaborations with Miller Paint. Well, we just wrapped one up, and it was um, the renovation of my sunroom. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're going to use that renovation to talk about spring color trends. Okay. And so, yeah, we'll probably, like, I, I don't know, you'll probably end up seeing us on a local news show or something like that talking about spring color trends. So that's mm-hmm. going to be really fun because I just love the energy and growth and vitality of spring and, and spring-like colors. Um, but also, I am looking for. You know what? I'm really looking forward to my kiddos' um, little league baseball season. Oh my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> because it's not only really freaking cute to see them play, yeah, eleven year olds, but um, it's also the time I can just sit there in the outfield mm. and do nothing. Yeah, and it's like one of the few times I can sit there and do nothing. Yeah, it makes me very happy. <laughs> Good. Yeah, I'm also in like an interesting phase of like trying to sit in those like slower moments too because I am such a go 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 person like I have my nine to five I have my podcast I'm like you know want to own my own design business one day so like I'm always dreaming about that and and then like just I'm such a people person so I want to throw events and then I'm like trying to do social media stuff and then I'm like have like a bajillion friends that I want to see all the time and then I want to go on all these hikes and I'm even just saying I tried to say it quickly because like that's the point like that's how I've been living my life and I'm like learning to slow down a little bit and I think that this whole like winter my a couple of my friends have called it like wintering you know like you're like wintering you're getting cozy you're slowing down and I'm excited to bring that energy into spring because I feel like I've been able to prioritize things in my life which one of those things is slowing down and just taking those moments to not not think about anything and that's okay. Yes. Oh my gosh. You call it wintering. I call it summering because that's the time of year when I'm just like a cat laying in the yeah. sunshine. You know what I mean? Like I just get super lazy when I feel that warm sun on my face. Yeah. And that's when I most successfully slow down. Mm. Yeah. And then all winter I'm like go 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 because I have to keep myself warm somehow. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> True. <laughs> I'm excited too for the cherry blossoms on the waterfront to yeah. start blooming. My family is coming um, in a couple of weeks and they're coming just after those will have like been in like full bloom and I'm like, yes, like I'm hoping it's not going to be raining. Like I'm hoping that the sun will be yes. peeking out a little bit more, but I'm just excited for all the wildlife around us to start kind of coming alive again. Me too. Me too. Yeah. Do you have any questions for me as a designer? I do. I, I have questions for you. I want to know how, how do you approach decorating your home? You're a designer, so do you think you do it differently than most folks? Yes. And I think that I have a one-up. I always joke, like, my Pinterest game is on point. Like, <laughs> I have, like, even in our team, like, everyone jokes, like, you find the most incredible, like, aesthetic like perfect compilation exactly the shapes that we're looking for on Pinterest and I'm like I've figured it out like I don't know how but I have a secret sauce to like the way that I find images and specific keywords I always dumb it down a lot Mm -hmm. and then you have to search like editorial or something that like kind of crisp like makes sure that you find a crisp image so I say all that to say I'm in the process of I was creating a mood board for my own apartment Um, that I'll be moving into this summer and it's like my first place like fully by myself I mean with my partner but that I haven't had other roommates that influences like okay like they have their stuff and I have my stuff and we're all kind of bringing it together and it's kind of this like conglomerative mess of Uh design and it's like kind of fun and funky and feels like I'm in like a little sitcom but at the same time I'm like ready for something a little bit more elevated Mm -hmm. um and so that's kind of what my partner and I have been talking about a lot for our new space. I mean, we you can literally see it from here. It. Yeah, which is so <laughs> crazy. Um, it's this beautiful new modern building in downtown, and it's all sustainable materials, meets the highest like LED rating, which is so important to me. Um, and so, I mean, for the space itself, like that was something really important, like the principle of sustainability when searching for a space, and especially like I can't afford a home yet and so there are definitely constraints on the type of place that I want to live in like Mm -hmm. 
do the cabinets like do they uphold well like or are they like a cheap laminate that's kind of like falling apart at the seams you know and so that was kind of one thing that I was looking for light was another one like that we were talking about earlier like which way is the apartment facing and luckily you know with a new place I can kind of choose what floor I want to be on like which like way I want to face um which way did you choose Ah, we haven't picked it yet okay. because because um, we're moving in in June, so we okay. haven't like signed the but lease yet. But it's a consideration, cool. um, definitely, of like how the light comes into space. But then also because we're right in the middle of the city, like what kind of like part of the neighborhood we want to look at. Yeah. But anyways, still figuring that part out, which is totally fine. Luckily, they have massive floor to ceiling windows in all of the apartments, which is great. Um, but yeah, for me, it was like rich like creamy colors and so all of their like all the flooring in there is like real hardwood which is crazy and then all the cabinetry is real wood veneers and so there's like a dark like a walnut one and then there's a light oak I think we're gonna opt for the walnut because my partner really likes the like dark rich tones Mm -hmm. um and then obviously all the walls are white it's new construction it's modern so we've kind of been toying with okay how can we bring color into the space and I know I was starting to mention this to you earlier. I'm a, I feel like I'm in a very pivotal point as a designer where now I've worked at a couple different design firms. You know, I'm young, I'm 23. So I'm figuring out, I haven't been designing for super long. I started designing when I was 16 mm-hmm. and was like design interning for different designers and kind of like taking in, okay, what do they like? What do they like? What do they like? Like that's always been like what I've had to do. And in the last, like, two to three years, it's been, okay, what do I see for a client's home? What do I see for my own space where I actually get to see, like, my vision, like, collaborating with our team and with our clients, like, come to life? And so it's a really daunting task for your own apartment because not having a ton of money as a young person, like, I'm investing in pieces. I can either buy something super cheap from, like, a Target or a Craigslist or something, or I can invest in more expensive pieces. Now, I wish I could invest in like a $20,000 sofa, but I can't. <laughs> and so we've kind of decided like, what do we need to prioritize in our space? And for us, it was like the sofa was a huge one. Um, the coffee table was a huge one. And then lighting for me, I'm such like, like a lighting fiend. I'm obsessed with lighting. Um, so we kind of started scouring right like we had our inspiration imagery it's a lot of like i said refined maximalism and so a lot of you guys listening are probably like what the heck is that i've never heard that term before um and i always describe like if you know who kelly worsler is like she is just like the layering queen like has like everything and more you could ever imagine and then things that you just could never think of and like that's kind of what I want in my space like with the shapes that we have like I don't just want our sofa to be white or gray and look like every other sofa that's out there I want there to be some interesting funk to it but that still feels elevated I want the pieces to be able to grow with us over time um I'm so glad you're doing that yeah I'm so glad you're doing that yeah Yeah. we're trying and like I think it's also like just as a designer too, I'm exposed to everything that's coming out. Like I'm getting all the new collections and I'm like excited to jump on things, Mm -hmm. but I've learned that I need to sit with something for a while. And like color specifically has been a big one for my partner. And I like, what are the color tones that we want represented in this space? What are the pieces that maybe will only be for this space, but then like, what are the ones that are going to have a really long life with us, like as a couple um, and how can those be good transitional pieces in the space? And so we landed on like a camel mohair. We were kind of like I was telling you, talking about a burnt orange, but then just me, he's like, I want burnt orange and black. Like he has a super masculine, ultra modern design style, but he also is obsessed with color, which is really fun. And I feel like he has actually pushed me way more in my own taste for color because I've been kind of in this like refined era of my design style like I used to love crazy colorful pops and like tones and things that were super unexpected which I still love those but I think that where I've started to sit with color is those like really rich deep tones of like a maroon or like an earthy green um I've also though really been loving a powder blue Mm -hmm. mixed in with that and like something that's like a lucite or something that's 
like a high gloss cobalt blue with a super dark space or something that's super light just again unexpected like that to me is really fun of having a really cohesive design and then you throw in a pop of color that completely throws your mind off so like that's kind of like where I am as a designer and then that's kind of where we are in our own space and so we have our like our camel toned sofa and then we're doing um it's like an orangey red it looks like a big pillow so it looks like four or five pillows like all stacked together um and it's an armchair um and then we went to midnight sunlight and I found the most amazing, um, it's a mirrored base coffee table. It's square. So it's a, it's a pretty angular space, I will say. Um, and then the tabletop is all these different wood chunks. So it's just really playful. And yeah. then um, as for the, like, you, what was the term that you used? Something Craigslist? Craigslist complimentary. Craigslist complimentary <laughs> is also, like, where we're at. Uh-huh. Um trying to find good real wood pieces I don't want something that's like an MDF yeah, in my space yeah. one because kind of it's really hard to find um but we found stuff good. which is great um so yes we found on the Bohemian find another really great small vintage shop um I found this awesome brutalist side table so it has like stone and wood and like the handles are super chunky and ribbed um so yeah for me that's kind of I want an eclectic mix of lifetimes of furniture in the space. I want new. I want like old-ish, you know, that's been kind of lived in. And then I want something that's super vintage. And that's kind of the general principle that I use when I'm designing my own space, but then other spaces is having a lot of newer pieces that will be super durable and will last over time. But then also vintage pieces that are fun and funky that also have sustained a lifetime of their own and that I know will work really well in my space. And then art is another big one that we're kind of in the process of art is like a whole nother rabbit hole too to go down. (laughs) It is hard to decide what piece you want. And like, especially because we've kind of landed on, we want something that's a really large scale canvas, like five foot by five foot is kind of like what we're thinking to be like this big staple piece. When you walk in that you're like, Whoa, that's crazy. Um, and I'm working with a friend who I actually just had on my podcast last week who is an art curator in town and she's kind of helping us try to find what that is. Um, and right now I wish that we could invest in like a piece that was a couple thousand dollars, but we can't. Mm -hmm. And so it's finding what are those pieces that we can find vintage? What's one that we can find new and have a really interesting, unique collection of all of that. So that's like a really long way to say like my principles would be incorporating old and new and then mixing like a lot of rich comfortable cozy tones of color with like one or two like super bold pops of color is kind of where I'm at and then I love a lot of like stone and wood as well so that sounds awesome I want yeah to visit your place yeah I'd oh love you too I mean anytime right <laughs> that's right just pop over <laughs> for lunch um, I'm definitely all also about mixing it up and I did like joke about Craigslist complimentary, but it's also kind of like a value of mine and my yeah. husband's, he's an environmental scientist. And like one of the ways that you could be sustainable is having just having fewer things and throwing away fewer things and making furniture last longer. So when you can buy something on Craigslist, that's kind of our trick actually. Yeah. And I'm going to say my husband's a pro at it. Like he's amazing. Oh. He will find like really good designer pieces that someone's had maybe for a few years mm-hmm. and and then it gets to be ours yeah. for less than half the price right you know it's I mean? great <laughs> yeah and we're at the point now where actually we have a sofa like that that he had even before we met mm-hmm. so he's had it a while but it's still a beautiful sofa and we're for the first time going to get it reupholstered and I'm really excited oh yeah so find those good pieces and then just keep yeah. them alive keep them alive as long as you can yeah and I'm also open to just changing things out over time like yeah. And I think that's something that's really fun that you can do is if you buy a piece that's worth something Mm -hmm. or that has a little bit more character than just an everyday couch or table that you find at like a Target, Mm -hmm. which again is like my generation. I I say Target. I think maybe some of the older listeners aren't necessarily buying from Target, but my generation is. Um, And so it's working within those constraints, but then also being willing like, okay, this had its time in my home. You know, we want a lot of these pieces to live with us and come in and 
hopefully like if I have a bigger house one day we'll have a couple different living rooms where some of these pieces can like spread out and like have a new life of their own but I think that it's also okay to rotate pieces and that's like something that's so fun about vintage is people are always looking for cool vintage pieces and if someone like the bohemian find or midnight sunlight had this piece on display at one point in their showroom like I know that it's gonna also resell for a lot of money so I'm just trying to keep an eye on those things too yeah totally if you look at certain brands that have good longevity that's where my husband really prospers is he's (laughs) like that's gonna keep its value so like we can sort of like have it in our home and then resell it and then you know we're, we're still doing okay yeah and um and actually I mean I just thrifting in general if well, actually, I have another question for you. Yeah. Are you ready for this? Because this is this is a perfect segue. Because I one of my tips for people who are um, a little bit shy about bringing color into their home or don't know how to bring color in their home, I suggest that they go thrifting and that they mm-hmm. go to Goodwill and they just buy a kooky blue vase and just right. like what you know whatever. Maybe it's not perfect. But just placing it into your space and then finding some other colorful objects to curate around it Mm -hmm. um, for just a little bit of money will tell you something. It's just a great way to experiment, you know? And then if you really find like, okay, actually, yeah, I'm feeling good about this. It's, um, then you can start investing in pieces that maybe you like even better. Mm -hmm. Um, and you can move that piece back onto someone else who might, you know, use it in a different way. Yeah. Here's my question for you. So would you say you are, well, you did kind of describe it a little bit. Are you color um, shy or are you color fearless? Ooh. I, I think I'm... It's interesting because I wouldn't say I'm color shy and I also wouldn't say I'm color fearless because there are some colors that I don't necessarily love. But I would definitely say that I lean more towards color fearless in the sense of... I'm willing to be bold and I'm willing to like, there's, there's not one thing in the space that we're designing right now that doesn't have color, Mm. you know? And even, I mean, even in the primary suite, for example, we're doing, it's going to be fully monochromatic. So it's going to be all like beige and like brown tones, but then we're planning to do like, like a bright orange or bright magenta, like super tiny framed piece of art. And then like a massive, like, gunmetal blue mixed with like a pattern lumbar pillow on the bed and so it's like when you walk into the room it's you know there's not a lot happening color wise but there's going to be a lot of different layering and shapes happening Mm -hmm. but then there's like two pieces that are like oh my gosh that's crazy and so I think that that's where I'm at I wouldn't say that all the spaces that I design are like all the colors of the rainbow Mm -hmm. like I feel like I've said they're definitely more like mature colors you could very pacific northwest colors but then that has like a very fun youthful pop to them and so that's like i'm i'm definitely willing to dare and in my own space i think it's like with my clients i'm like tons of color tons of texture but like in my own space i think sometimes i am a little bit more reserved but i'm trying to be more open to that and i'm like thank god for anthony because he's like pulling me into that a little bit more because he wants something super crazy and super eclectic and I also want that but then like the designer in me sometimes is like is this gonna last and I think that those pieces honestly are the ones that end up lasting a lifetime more than anything else like my closet I was telling you is like black white cream right now like and it's crazy because I used to wear like crazy funky colors 24 7 and I think just like through designing like I was just like okay I just kind of need something to like mute my palette, but it's still, you know, there's lots of, like, different things happening. It's not just, like, flat black pants, flat black t-shirt. There's a lot happening in my outfits, but my favorite piece in my closet is a bright orange fuzzy coat, and through this conversation, I'm like, I think I need to start bringing more of those things back, because I can still wear, yeah, I can still wear my, like, all black outfit. I'm wearing my red cowgirl boots, too, but wear that, and then have that pop of color, and, like, people love that like just just the one thing that like catches your eye from across the room like that's what I want to do in my designs and in my fashion so I'm getting there it's like an interesting and I'm okay with saying like I'm not fully sure like where I'm at and I think that that's like the coolest part of being creative is you don't have to decide you can always change your mind right and it just your tastes evolve all the time you know like even I'm not color fearless and I'm totally in the same boat with yeah 
decorating our new house right now with my partner, I'm like falling into this like, okay, well I did this sunroom project with Miller paint and that's mm-hmm. very colorful, but it's a little corner of the house. It's contained. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I can like feel like I can be crazy with it. Yeah. But then now I'm moving onto the dining room and I'm like, okay, I think I'm going to like Lulu and Georgia this one out. Yeah. It's just going to be really monochromatic. It's going to be beautiful. And he's like, no. <laughs> and he is pushing me to be more fearless. And I think it goes back to exactly what you said. Like, is this going to last? Is it going to have longevity? Here's mm-hmm. the other thing about the trends. So like those trends I talked about, those color, those earth tones. Yeah. Think about them as the colors for the decade. Like mm-hmm. I would say have really good confidence in those because, mm-hmm. um, and you are seeing it a lot in furniture now too. And that's, you should feel confident that those, um, the furniture industry, they, they do their trend research. Yeah. I can tell you all about what goes on behind closed doors in the color trend industry. It's really mm-hmm. interesting. Um, so when you start to see colors pop up in furniture and the automotive industry and things like that, you can have confidence that they're going to have some longevity. So use those as your foundation and then go a little crazy, have some fun. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to do right now. But thank goodness my husband's pushing me. <laughs> Good. It, it's funny because we're sitting in the most colorful shop <laughs> I know. in the city, and I also am, like, designing one of the most colorful bakeries, and, you know, we're both sometimes a little bit scared to do things, but that's okay. It's okay. And I think people need to hear that. Yep, that's like, right. We're, and I joke, I'm like, it's literally the tagline, but we're almost there, like, truly, like, we're oh all still in process, still working so, on ourselves and our designs. So true. So, so true. Yeah. Well, thank you for coming on. Do you have anything that you want to leave the podcast listeners with? Obviously, plug socials, plug the shop, any like little nuggets of advice? Oh my goodness. Okay. Well, definitely follow us on Instagram. That's kind of our primary. It's um, at Woonwinkle. I think it's just at Woonwinkle. Yep. At Woonwinkle. And um, nuggets of advice. Oh my gosh. Um, well, I gave this advice to some someone just a couple days ago actually like when you walk into a shop like this and you see not a finished product because trust me it's not finished I'm still learning something new every day but when you walk into this shop you see a business that's been around for like 10 or 12 years and you think ah I I just I can't do that Mm -hmm. but trust me this business started as just an idea Mm -hmm. and then it just started as something really small and it it started as a little plan (laughs) and then that plan shifted and it became plan b and plan c and plan d you know what i mean so you just like you make your way through yeah well thank you i i needed to hear that too because (laughs) sometimes it can be hard and like discouraging when you're young and i mean a lot of my listeners right now are in junior positions Mm -hmm. at their job or are not in a field that they like and like a lot of people that I know are in the big corporate world and like there have been a ton of layoffs across the board Mm -hmm. and I personally know so many people going through that who are just kind of spinning in life and are like not really sure where they're landing so I think that that's really reassuring to know that you've also been there and that you're still not done you're still building and growing and figuring out you know, who you are and like what Woonwinkle is to you and is to our city. But I think you have a really good, a really, really good base. Thank you so much. I'm excited about what's coming. Yeah. Thank you everybody for listening to the Almost There podcast. Um, again, you can find Kristen and the Woonwinkle team at Woonwinkle on Instagram. All right. We're almost there. Bye.